Hello, this is Matt Brown, the worship pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. You're listening to the Next Level Podcast. Today, we're going to answer listener questions from Sunday, September 10th, 2023. Hi, I'm Simone Halpin, the co-founder and executive director of Naomi's House. Hello, I'm Alex Goff, and I'm the campus pastor at Poplar Creek Campus. I'm Kelly Brady, I serve as senior pastor here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Level. morning. Happy Monday morning. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing today? We're going to blow right by football, right guys? Yes. Thank you. Next topic. (laughs) Not much to talk about. (laughs) Not much at all. all First question. We're all sad and heartbroken. (laughs) Oh geez. How's your garden? (laughs) I got water last night. Buckets. Buckets of tomato. Literally, Sherry and I go into the garden yep. with buckets and come out with, and then we walk around the neighborhood sheepishly trying to pull them <laughs> off on Who people. Wants our Every meal, it's like, you want to put some tomatoes on that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, bring up some cereal. You want to put some tomatoes on that? That's funny. It's true. It's delicious, though. It is delicious. And I know it's a cliche, but it is so true. Mm. Nothing tastes like a tomato straight out of the garden. Yeah. I don't even, I, didn't, I grew up hating tomatoes yeah. until I had a garden tomato. Sherry actually. So we had so many tomatoes, and I mean hundreds. She put them in the blender and made salsa, and then we handed out salsa, so that was nice. Man, what do you have to do to get some salsa from the Brady's? Live on your street? Ranch Road. Ranch Road. I wasn't going to say it, but you know. Hey, Uh, Alex, you had a birthday. I did, and I told you guys that I had a story that I wanted to say for the podcast. So I got to experience something on Saturday that every single one of you should do at least once in your life. When was your birthday? Was it Saturday? It was Thursday. Thursday, okay. But Saturday was kind of the day that we celebrated. That you did this amazing thing. We did this amazing thing. We drove to Milwaukee, and we watched the Savannah Bananas baseball team. Oh, yeah. Are you familiar familiar with uh them? We have a tournament this weekend. Oh, okay. Where the little kids play it. So the Savannah Bananas are, they're athletes, um, but they're athletes. <laughs> but Gotta start with that. Not it, as opposed supporters. to other baseball players. <laughs> but it is, it is baseball infused with theatrics. And so I just, I texted the three of you a link, but like uh, one of the pitchers came out in stilts and they're like 12 feet high and they're pitching. Um, they'll do like flips before they catch the ball. It's very like Harlem Globetrotters-esque. Oh, okay. Uh, and so they're, they're located in Savannah, but they did a, they called it a, a world tour and they were in Milwaukee. And so I've always wanted to go. We went up and saw it and it was so much fun. Even for people that do not love baseball, I would highly recommend it. Very funny. Okay. Everybody on the field's an actor and I didn't know that. And so they're playing a song and the umpire just stops the game and starts dancing. It's, <laughs> it's stuff like that. It was just, it was a lot of fun. So that's what I did on my birthday. That's really fun. Yes. All right. Yeah, the rules are all different, and yep. yeah, it's pretty fun to watch. You, the big rule, the one that I love is that uh, if a fan mm-hmm. catches a foul ball, it's an out, mm-hmm. and so that creates two things. The first is fun. Um, if a fan catches a foul ball for the bananas, oh, that's not good. Everybody jumps on that fan, but you know, if a fan makes like a spectacular catch, they usually bring them out into the field, and they're they're a hero, and it's fun. Yeah. Well, I, I do have a good football story, kind of. Uh, so Saturday was our I, I coach a, a Rams little league flag, first and second grade, and we had a game on Saturday. It was mm-hmm. awesome. And um, uh, my kid is in first grade, and he made like one of the plays of the game. It was so awesome. It was great. What did you, What did you do? Uh, it, so, okay, so our team won like twenty five to nothing. So awesome. So the other team had the ball. It was the end of the game, and the clock was hitting four zeros, and I'm thinking, oh, they're not going to get this snap off. They barely got the snap off, right, the other team. And uh, they hand the ball off. This kid takes it all the way to the side towards our sideline, right? All the families are standing over there. My kid is playing right cornerback, okay? So he's on – that means he's on the opposite side of the field, right? So they're, they're running back. He takes it all the way to the, to the side of the field opposite my kid, and – I'm thinking, okay, we got him, you know, the defensive ends run over there. They missed the flag. I'm like, oh, okay, well, our linebackers are, they're great. They'll, they'll get him. And they come over and, and the linebackers miss. Then the safeties come down and they miss. And this kid is off to the races. And I'm thinking, you know what, good for these guys. It's first and second grade. You know, they're going to get a touchdown and the game's going to end. And we're st- we still won. All of a sudden, here comes my kid. Just on a mission. With a good angle. <laughs> nice. Keep in mind, he's six. Nice. And he catches up with this kid, dives, 
grabs the flag, the kids roll on the ground, there's a big dust cloud, and my kid stands up and holds the flag up in the air, and it was right in front of all the parents, and all the parents just went, yeah, you know, it was just, it was so cool, it was just this really cool moment, so anyway, fun, it was fun, it was fun, love coaching the kids and would advise, um, uh, Christians listening to this podcast, man, get out there and coach. Yeah. I kind of had a moment where it's like, especially at the first and second grade, especially when the kids are younger, mm-hmm. because the parents don't drop, m- most parents don't drop their mm-hmm. kids off at the first and second. Yeah. You know, once you get beyond that, the, the parents just drop their kids off and they don't, there's not a lot of it. But when you're at the first and second grade level and coaching, all parents are listening to you, and they should be, like, they're like, oh, what's this coach saying? Yeah. They're listening to how you interact with their kids. Yeah. It is one of the most... Um, Evangelistic. Uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, everyone is listening to you speak, and your, your mannerisms and how you treat people, it's all on display. It is such an opportunity. I highly recommend folks to yeah. get out. You you coached a lot, right, when your kids were... I did. I coached yeah. some. I don't know yeah. that I made the most of every moment, so... <laughs> <laughs> Honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, I can get kind of wound up on the sidelines. So. Yeah. Did yeah. you throw a chair? It was a no. It was a growth moment, though. I mean, coaching was always a. An extra okay, so thing. let me rephrase what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> if you are. <laughs> no, no, seriously. It's an excellent opportunity. Please get involved. Uh, all right, let's, uh, let's go into some questions. First one. Who wrote Hebrews? I think this crew can get to the bottom of it. You are wrong. <laughs> Not a chance that we're going to solve this issue. Mm-mm. So we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, it's been debated for centuries. Uh, we can, with some confidence, say who did not write the book of Hebrews. In fact, in this week's passage, Hebrews chapter 2, there is a reference uh, by the author uh, that it excludes him, or her potentially, as as a, a disciple. So it's Hebrews 2, 3. It says, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Mm-hmm. In other words, the author is saying they hadn't personally met Jesus, but they had heard from those who had met Jesus and, and had been with Jesus. And so uh, typically this verse is used to exclude any of the original apostles as well as Paul. Because Paul, in writing in Galatians, claimed yeah, on the road to Damascus uh, to have met Jesus personally. Mm. And so on this basis, most people exclude all of the apostles and Paul. And so that leaves the debate among people like Barnabas, Apollos, Silas. And, cool. the, and, that, and that's the only passage about that in regard to authorship that Hebrews offers us? Well, that I can think of. Okay. Yeah, do you got another one? No, oh. no, no. I mean, like, I know that later in Hebrews, there's a verse, well, hold on, that talks about encouragement. Um, yeah, closing reference in Hebrews 13, 22 is a word of encouragement. And that's why some people think that it was Barnabas, oh, but yeah. like directly tied to who wrote the book. Oh, there's would, no direct um, referent. Okay. No. Cool. It's so, all supposition and guesstimation and... Yeah. So the answer is, we don't know who, we have a good idea of who not. Right. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to the next one. I've struggled to feel God's presence and to have any passion or joy in my faith for a long time. While grace is opposed to earning, what about these other things? Are these things only granted if I work for them through prayer, reading, scripture, serving, etc.? Love this question. So I... Alex and I kind of went a different direction on Sunday morning, and I spent a lot of time talking about how grace is, is opposed to earning, the notion that we're going to earn our salvation, we're going to merit God's blessings. Mm-hmm. It, that's not how God's grace works, but grace is not opposed to effort. We're actually freed by the grace of God to make effort uh, to grow in our faith. The grace of God compels us, it fuels us. And, and I talked about how important it is to to use God's grace as the fuel needed to, to focus on him, to grow in godliness, intimacy with Christ. It's a grace-driven effort. And, 
And one of the services I referenced, John 15, uh, Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Apart from me, if you abide in me, um, you'll grow. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So there's this notion of make every effort to stay connected to me. Mm-hmm. We see, so over and over in scripture, we, we see uh, directives like stay in step with the spirit, be filled with the spirit, put on the armor of God, pray without ceasing. So we're told countless times to make an effort. And so while I can't fully explain how the sovereign work of God intermingles or holds hands with the responsibility of man, what part of my growth is God's grace at work in me? And what part of my growth is me making an effort? I can't flesh all that out. I do know that I am to, to work. I'm, I'm to make an effort. And so towards that end, I would say to someone who's feeling like the presence of God is eluding them, they've lost passion, they're missing out on joy. I say, don't wait for the feeling of intimacy. James is really clear. It's another one of those make, make an effort passages. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It's James 4.8. So I would just start by talking to God about his own words. Say, God, you say, if I draw near to you, you'll draw near to me. Here I am. I'm, I want to work hard, make every effort to draw near to you. Would you show up? Would you draw me in? Would you come close to me? And, and I, most often our feelings will follow those types of efforts. Hmm. Yeah, it reminds me of just the other night uh, when just having a parenting moment and, you know, the kids were in a fight or whatever and, and it's like, okay, it all got resolved. It's like, okay, now say what you're supposed to say. You know, I, I'm sorry. You deserved everything I you forgive got. you, you know. And, and one of the kids was like, I just don't feel like I'm ready to forgive yet. And I said, okay, that's fine. That's, your feeling is fine, but you still need to say it. You need to, because sometimes saying it precedes the feeling and the feeling comes afterwards, but it's important to initiate. I'm sorry, I, and, and I forgive you. Even if you don't yet like say it, it will start to push the, the ball in that, down that road. You know, like you, you'll start to move in that effort in that um, of actually forgiveness. It's good to say it. It mm. starts, and I think there's a lot of similarities here where it's like, you're not forcing God's hand, but the more you spend time in scripture and the more you pray, the more you read, the more you, you know, spend time in God's word and, and so on and so forth, worship, sing, those kinds of things, the more you are making your heart, your heart becomes tender mm-hmm. by doing that. This isn't like a perfect one-to-one comparison, but um, I think about like my marriage and this idea of like working for salvation versus working like from our salvation. It's, it's the marriage, it's, it's the relationship that I have with Olivia that, that motivates me to, to act and do things, um, you know, to show that I love her. And oftentimes when I do those things, uh, we do experience that greater intimacy. And there mm-hmm. are moments when I, I don't feel like it. You know, like you said, we had a fight or um, we're just not on the same page. And yet, you know, I st- still choose to let her sleep in and take care of the kids. And, and oftentimes that does lead to greater intimacy. And Kelly, you used that word and I thought that was good. What do you got, Simone? <laughs> I'm pondering all these answers. Um, I think, well, I don't know. I have a couple thoughts. Let's see if I can articulate them. First, I wonder if I'm reacting a little bit to the person who wrote this question um, when they say, are these things only granted if I work for them through mm-hmm. prayer, reading scripture, serving, etc." And I'm sure it's just, you know, semantics. But that word granted does... Um, kind of make me tilt my head a little bit. Like I want that I wonder if that's missing the the heart of what it looks like to have just what they're expressing a, a vibrant or a, a joyful passion um relationship with Jesus. Um I I guess like like I said I don't want to pick on that word just because they used it. Maybe they were just typing fast. But at the same time, I would also encourage this person to think that um like any relationship, it's not it's not a great, it's not like he's not, God isn't granting us. I wouldn't use that word. He's, mm. he's lavishly and gifting, gifting and, and, and because we haven't earned it, I feel like grant almost it's cold. Yeah. And it also feels transactional a little bit. Like you've done these things. So now I'm going to give you this, you know, mm. and I, and I, that's, 
it's what's so hard about understanding grace is that it isn't earned. Um, but the more we experience, the more we, we long and, and, and want more of, you know, the things that he's list, this person's listing prayer and reading scripture and serving. So, um, I don't know. I'm just processing that one out loud. The other thing that I keep thinking about is, um, do something different. (laughs) So if you're doing the same spiritual practices and disciplines and you're not experiencing the presence of the Lord or again, to use their words, passion or joy. Yeah. Do something different. Like Like go on a silent retreat. (laughs) (laughs) I I told you when I confessed that I didn't want anybody's opinion (laughs) and it is going to come back and help me. Listen to last week's episode. Or not. Um, But I just think that um, we're taught very similar things, whether it's from a Sunday morning passage or small group Bible study or whatever it is, you know, and we even say it on this podcast often, spend time with the Lord, be in the word, try journaling, you know, to, you know, we, we mention spiritual practices all the time. Um, but that doesn't mean they're not a recipe for, well, then this will work. And so I would just really encourage this person to think about something different that you haven't done mm-hmm. that is individualized to the way God has created you and to pursue that. And I, I think there's a, um, there might be wisdom in a faithful prayer that continues to say, I want your, I want your presence in my life. I want to know you. I want to have a deep relationship with you. And yeah, I think I was kind of thinking that Matt, when you were talking about, I'm, this is not a critique of your parenting at all, but I would, was putting myself in your shoes. Like if I would say, if I ever did say that to my kids when they were little, yeah. like, well, I want you to say it anyway. And if you don't mean it, hoping that it like generates actual forgiveness and um i would maybe i was thinking maybe i would have said um i recognize that you want to forgive but you're not there yet you're not feeling it you're not feeling it and and i think that's okay i think it's okay to kind of you know admit that i want to want to forgive you or I Mm. want the Lord's presence in my life, but I'm just not, it's not here yet. I would say it's more than okay. Mm -hmm. I, we put ourselves in a perilous position if we only ever think we'll be mature. Mm. Growth, what this person is asking in question number two here, this is experienced by all of us. We all go through seasons where um, God's presence, it doesn't feel near and close, and we're missing passion and joy. And so we need to be, or, or Matt's example, forgiveness isn't coming easily. Yeah, so we need to be honest about that and mm-hmm. say, I want re- to want to, mm-hmm. but I'm... Mm-hmm. It's one of the reasons why I love the book of Psalms, is that mm, Psalms, yeah, absolutely. Gi- Psalms gives you permission to feel every emotion. Mm-hmm. and Even when it's like counterintuitive to what you know, it, or what you think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. I have, that's Anger at God. Mm-hmm. You know, where are you, God? Mm-hmm. Read the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, just circling back to that, that, I, that was one of the things that's important to say is like, you know what? That's totally fine that you feel that way. Yeah. Like hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. But I don't see anywhere in the scriptures where it says, when you finally feel like forgiving someone, mm-hmm. that's when you should forgive yeah. them. The scriptures mm-hmm. are always say yeah. forgive because you have been forgiven yeah. mm-hmm. it never says forgive mm-hmm. when, you, when get- you feel like right yeah but like yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um you know the other thing for for this person when, when I'm, I'm really encouraged that they're admitting they've struggled mm-hmm. to feel god's presence and to have any passion or joy in, my, in their faith for a long time that's great that you can admit that i think just to say something difficult and hard to you, you, you may have to do some battle with yourself here. Mm. You may have to ask yourself some tough questions. And if you can bring in some of your brothers and sisters in Christ in this, if you're in a small group or if you have family or whatever, bring them in on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, you may need to ask yourself, yeah. like, how, how much do you actually believe God, to treasure God, believe his promises? Like, I know this is a 100% transactional uh, example here, but like, if somebody came up to you and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to give you $200 million, but you have to go and make the deposit every day for the rest of your life. But you're going to have $200 million. Like you would, there's not a day you would miss. Why? Because you would value what $200 million would do for your life. Like It would 
change your life and you would do that. And so it's kind of, I know that it's the analogy is going to break down, but um, do you believe that God's promises are true, that God does have everlasting life for you, that his word is eternal, that it is, that it's food for your soul. Like it's, it's going to nourish you. It's, go, it's going to sustain you. Like if you believe that, then, then engage with it. And so, you know, you may need to just... I didn't bring this up, but I, I also thought to myself, I wonder if, and I've had, the reason I bring this up is I've had it in my own life. Yeah. Where I, six months or a year goes by and I feel uh, distant or stuck in a particular way and I can't figure out why, but I go back and, and, I, and I'm crying out to the Lord, what's going on, what's going on? And I remember there was a point of departure where I embrace sin or coddled sin or, and so sometimes I wonder if, if there's, um, well, I guess unconfessed sin would be the way to say it, uh, something we're not aware of. And so th that has become a prayer for me. Father, is there something um, that I'm unaware of, mm -hmm. a point at which I departed uh, in disobedience that is quenching my joy? Yeah. That's a hard truth. I was starting to think that when Matt was talking to that there could just be something that you're holding on to, or there's a sin that has become kind yep. of a norm mm -hmm. that you don't even realize is keeping you from the Lord's presence that might just need to be confessed and walked away from. Hmm. In my experience, that's been the case. Yeah. Every time there's mm -hmm. been, it may not be like this it may be a habit. It may be a rhythm mm -hmm. that's just unhealthy. It might not even be a per se sinful rhythm. It just may be a rhythm that's not really bringing God into mm -hmm. it a whole lot. You know, I know we talk about it a lot, but it could be a rhythm of staying up super late and watching movies on your phone for hours and hours. Mm -hmm. And it just may be an unhealthy right. rhythm for your right. life rhythm mm -hmm. that just kind of puts you in a funk. You know, so true. and we're creatures of habit, right? So we're going to keep. It's hard to sometimes identify what those could be. Um, yeah, I would just say there's hope. Don't give up. Yep. You Amen. Know, Absolutely. If you, if you hear anything, we all have gone through seasons like this yeah, and we've Absolutely. gotten out of seasons like this. Yeah, it's Absolutely. possible. Yep. I, I would, I would say we probably, there's every, every Christian in this room on a Sunday is, can mm -hmm. relate to the question yeah, it's good. on some level. Um, all right, let's go to the next one. In the sermon this week and last, Kelly said, Jesus is the final prophet. What are your thoughts on people who call themselves modern-day prophets or apostles? Yeah, this is, for me, fairly straightforward. I think it's important to distinguish between the gift of prophecy hmm. or apostleship and the office of prophet and apostle. So I want to distinguish between gifts and offices. So by this, I mean to say that there are no longer people who hold the office of prophet or apostle as they did in the biblical era. Now, I don't have any problem with the Pentecostal uh, world uh, giving people the title apostle, but hopefully they don't think that that is on par with the original 12 apostles. Mm. Uh, hopefully they're saying this person is gifted as an apostle, but I, I do think we need to draw a distinction between gift and offices. Uh, to my best understanding, no one any longer holds the office of prophet as uh, Daniel did, Ezekiel did, Isaiah did, Jeremiah did. Across the global church. Right. Okay. Or even in the local church, no one holds that because those people's words were captured, written down, and are now our scripture. God was working through them in a very unique way. They had very unique roles in redemptive history. The same with the 12 apostles. So those are offices that I don't believe are held anymore. However, the gift of prophecy, the gift of apostleship, right? We have a, a, a gift um, survey going on right now at Glowen Bible Church. In fact, there's a question coming up in a little bit about it, but there is a vine and branches out in the art gallery. We'd encourage everybody to stop by and, and identify your gifts. The reason you'd identify your gifts is so you could employ those gifts given by the Holy Spirit in service. So there are gifts of prophecy, there are gifts of apostleship, and those are simply gifts of speaking and leading in very unique ways. I would go so far as to say Simone might have the gift of apostleship. You're a starter. You, you launched a ministry 
you started it. Now, did you do it by yourself? No, blah, blah, blah. But you have, Im- <laughs> you have immense courage. You have immense courage, and that's what it takes to start things, step out. You crawled out on the end of a long limb in some respects. Yeah, there are people with you, but you're the front runner. And that, that starting gift, that's, that's what's needed to establish ministries, to advance the kingdom. And that's a... It's, it's a gifting. It's a gifting and a calling. But you're not one of the 12, uh, you know, apostles, the original office. So anyway. Simon, not Simone. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I hadn't even picked up on that. That's good. With, with, the, with prophecy, yep. what does... Because that's kind of a weird thing. Oh, let's not make it weird. Well, let's not make it weird. We, uh, People make it weird. You no are, I'm saying Some like do. the, I, can the idea of it. So what for someone listening, what, what does, if somebody has the gift of prophecy, what does that look yeah, like? I think I have the gift. No, no. I think I function in the gift uh, to some extent. So a prophecy typically is described as having two elements to it, forthtelling and foretelling. Mm-hmm. Forthtelling is a proclamation of the truth in Scripture. So I, I do that on Sunday mornings when I'm standing in the pulpit. Yeah. But I also do that in my own household. If I raise the scripture, anytime you speak God's word, that's a prophetic role. You're declaring what's yep. true. And so all parents should play that role in their home. So uh, foretelling is a predicting of the future. And I have been around people that have that ability, or I should say that God has worked through them in that way. So and it's it's fairly mysterious, um, and and in regard to that, a verse that I think serves people well is First Thessalonians five verse twenty: Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Mm, good and word, that, yep. and that's and that's important. If you have um, or encounter somebody that is um, forth telling um, or foretelling or foretelling, yeah. you know, test it yeah. against scripture. Yeah. No one will prophesy in our age, anything by God's power that's contrary to what's in Scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so are you saying every time uh, the gift of prophecy is, um, is exhibited, it, there's always those two elements? No. 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 no, 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 no. Okay, one or the other. Yeah, yeah. I, it, and it... Maybe there's a third way in which prophecy works. I don't know, but those like it's are typically always because that's element. what when he's like weird when he's talking about it being yes. weird. It's because we're thinking of fortune telling. We're yeah. thinking right. of always yes. predicting the future. Yeah. yeah, that's prophecy, and yeah. and that's not quite what we're talking about. There can be yeah, right, so, like there can be an element of of future telling of events to come. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but and, it's not always when someone prophesies that they're just they're saying, hey this is going to happen in your life. Right. Like it's specifically. Not. No. It's, right, no. right. I, I, I just have a story. When, um, I think I've told this to you before, but when I was a, a, a pretty, like a brand new Christian, like year one or two kind of thing, uh, and I didn't have any clue what prophecy was. I didn't grow up at the church, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I'm at this birthday party, uh, little little girl's birthday party, friend's birthday party, his little girl. And, um, uh, uh, we were all saying just just kind of words of encouragement, you know, that kind of thing. And a guy gets up and is like, you know, I just want y'all to know I got the gift of prophecy. Oh. And I'm going to prophesy right now. This is about to get weird. And I was like, <laughs> oh, snap. Oh, sna- okay, here we go. Let's go. Come on. What's he going to say? And he was like, you know, so-and-so. God has big plans for you. It's a fortune cookie, right? <laughs> and I was like, no, come on. That was my uh, first introduction with prophecy. I'm remembering, I, JV, I wish John were here, but I think someone prophesied, prophesied over John many years ago that he would lead a church. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah when they're bland and generic fortune cookie prophecies, I, you know, that's fine. Um, I, I mean, right? Like, I mean, that's true, right? Like, yeah, God has great plans for you, Matt. Yeah, I, I hope I, you know, follow those plans. I don't know. I, right. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, let's go, we'll go to the next one. Uh, let's see. Um, for those who have drifted towards compromise and called it tolerance, particularly thinking of those who have accepted LGBTQ as biblically right and God endorsed, is there hope for salvation for these people given Hebrews 2, 3, which says, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Or have they drifted too far from the truth? 
All right. So the, I'll center it on the question, is there hope? And I want to say absolutely there's hope. Yep. Mm-hmm. There's hope for salvation. Remember, we have n- never drifted so far from God that we cannot be reached by the truth of the Holy Spirit and come to repentance. So there's always hope. If you're drawing breath, if your loved ones are drawing breath, there's always hope um, for God's work of redemption in our lives. When it comes to the LGBTQ issue, it's a unique issue in our age because what was historically understood clearly to be sin is is now being debated. Yeah, well, debated be a kind way to put it. It's being green-lighted. It's it mm. it's people are giving wholehearted affirmation to what's historically been described as sin and not just sin within the church, identified as sin within the church by church people, but uh, broader culture. Um, Can you even be more specific to what, because automatically, if you're a person who struggles with same-sex attraction and you hear what you're saying, then is the struggle a sin? Ah, that's great. And I'm headed there. Okay. All right. So it's a unique issue. And because it's a unique issue, in other words, no one is arguing for what uh, other historic sins, like no one's saying stealing is now okay. Mm-hmm. No one's doing that. Uh, murder's now okay, or um, lying is now okay. No one's doing that. Uh, but this, this was this behavior. Let's let's just center on, on homosexuality because the LGBTQ were, that's a, a broad swath of behaviors. Let's just center in on homosexuality. But um, it's unique because now people are saying and affirming it's an okay behavior. So when we talk about it, here I go, Simone, when we talk about this, what I want to do is I want to distinguish between um, those who are believing in Jesus and wrestling with it in, um, um, and those who are believing in Jesus and willfully participating in it. So, um, and I want to do that because I, I would say different things to those two groups. So those who are believing in Christ and they've drifted, Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1 says, we must pay the most careful attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. And I, I spent a lion's share of my time in the pulpit talking about don't drift away, focus on Christ. So if you're believing in Jesus and you have drifted and now you're entangled in LGBTQ behaviors, uh, not just desires, but behaviors. Um, to them, I'd say fight the good fight, continue to resist. Um, there's always uh, the power of the Holy Spirit available to you. If you're believing in Jesus and you're willfully calling, what, what, calling right what is clearly spelled out in scripture as wrong, then I would, I would say to that person, repent. Um, how'd I do there? So yeah, is think, that, yeah, no, that, is was, that the <laughs> distinction, the nuance? Yeah, well, That's, it's all, important. I'm not an expert on this topic, so I'm not um, I know it's really complicated. And, uh, and there's a whole separate category within the church of people that are believing in Jesus, practicing heterosexuals. Mm-hmm. They're neither tempted by LGBTQ issues or participating, but they're affirming it's for others. Yeah. To them, I would offer a word of rebuke. I, Yeah, no, no, I totally agree with everything you're saying. And I always feel like when you open this can of worms, you need to just state publicly where you stand because then people get confused. So as someone who practices and believes in a traditional sexual ethic, that marriage and sex is designed between one man and one woman for life. For life, yeah. Saying that, um, I think where this gets really tricky and complicated is, first of all, I don't know that it's our place to ask the question, I, and I'm, I'm looking at you, Kelly, because I want you to tell me if, if I'm off base by even mentioning this, but it's, the question is, is there hope for salvation for these people? Thank you. And um, first of all, yes, there's always hope. Yeah. And two, it's not really our place to decide if someone's saved or not. Yeah, we need to tread really lightly there. Totally. Yeah. And all Christians, this makes my heart pound real fast, so I'm just going to say it slowly. <laughs> um, not all. The Christians that I know that struggle with same-sex attraction or LGBTQ questions are desperate 
for God to be in their life. Mm-hmm. They are desperate mm-hmm. for God to show up. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the church is not always the safest place mm-hmm. for them to come and share these concerns and share these thoughts and share these hardships mm-hmm. or these confusing, conflicting messages because they're reading their Bible mm-hmm. and they're seeing what God's word says. And but, they're feeling but what they're, they're feeling. Yeah. Yes. And that is a hard place mm-hmm. to hard be. Really. And there are other issues that we can struggle with um, where it's not as socially damned mm-hmm. if you struggle with. And mm-hmm. you can come to church and you can talk about it and you'll be prayed for and you'll be loved on and you yeah. won't be talked about behind your back. But if you're someone who struggles with this LGBTQ mm-hmm. era, you know, all of these, all the layers that come with it, this a lot of times, especially for our our younger Christians, this is the church is the last place they come. So I don't, I, I just hesitate at the question in general. If you're asking about whether or not these people can be saved, and I don't even like the word these people, mm-hmm. because these people yeah. are our kids. Right. These are, these are yeah. our youth, this is our youth group. Yeah. And so um, I just, I, I just kind of want to challenge the person not knowing their heart and, and, and hopefully they're giving me the benefit of the doubt, just like I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Um, the question isn't whether or not there's hope for, the, for anyone to be saved. Because the answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Or we don't believe in a, the true gospel. Mm-hmm. The question should be, what can we do as a church mm-hmm. to walk alongside people mm-hmm. who struggle with same-sex attraction or confusing, conflicting feelings that are contrary to what they're reading in scripture and what they're hearing on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Glenelg Bible is faithfully mm-hmm. holding God's word on mm-hmm. this topic, but yet what are we going to do about it when it conflicts with what our teens and our young adults yeah. and, and older people, anybody struggles with this. And so that's just what, that's what makes my heart pound so fast when this question comes up is because I just want anyone who is feeling this, if anyone is listening to the podcast, okay, I'll stop here. But if anyone is listening to the podcast and they heard this question without our answer first, to think that they are questioning whether or not they're saved because they struggle with something Mm -hmm. is we're missing it. Yeah. Yep. So go ahead. So in my ministry experience, I, I had a moment where, um, a lesbian couple came and uh, into the church, and the first question that they asked me, and it just totally broke my heart, was, um, can we belong here? Mm-hmm. And when I met with them and we dug into that question a little bit, uh, they had gotten the impression from church experiences that uh, because of their marriage, um, salvation was impossible and worship was impossible. And that was something that they, they desperately wanted to find, which was community. And and that's, I really appreciate what you're saying here and drawing that distinction because uh, the answer to, is so, is there hope for salvation? The answer is always yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I want to say, just in regard to what Kelly was talking about earlier, there's people that um, struggle with uh, same-sex attraction and things like that. But then there are also, as Kelly was saying, people within uh, the church that are being swayed and influenced by culture um, to walk away from scripture and walk towards um, what culture is accepting. Kelly, I think you used the illustration yesterday of, did you use the, the phrase lazy river? I did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, At a water park. And, that, uh, and that's just something that we, be, beyond just this, Take me there. <laughs> uh, beyond just this, this question about LGBTQ in a ton of ways, we have to recognize that like a lazy river, the culture is pushing you. And I go back to what Paul says in Galatians one verse 10 for, I am now, uh, am I now seeking the approval of man or God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Uh, this is just a, a temptation that we're going to have to battle as servants of Christ, not seeking the approval of man, not seeking the approval of culture and walking against where they're trying to push us. Good thoughts, guys. Um, the only thing I want to add here is, is just the ministry of grace. This question um, may lead some to believe that we're saved by our behavior. Mm-hmm. And we need to be really careful there. Mm-hmm. We're saved by grace through faith apart from anything we do. Scripture's really clear there. Jesus' Jesus's behavior his moral perfection, sacrificial death, and resurrection save us. Faith in him saves us. So I'm not saved 
because I'm not an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. That's not what's saving me. I'm not saved because I'm not greedy. I'm not saved because I'm not a homosexual. So I'm saved. We are all saved when we put our faith in what Jesus has done and who he is. Is that mm-hmm. helpful? As a sinner. Yes, we're sinners. And so I've got these sins, whatever they may be, and I have my favorite sins that I battle daily. When I mean favorite, I mean that tongue-in-cheek, folks. We all, the church fathers called them besetting sins. They're the sins that are most common to me. They're, Keep going uh, back to. Yeah. yeah. So we're, hang on, we're saved by yeah. grace apart from anything we do. So I'm not saved when I have home, because I have homosexual desires that I don't act on. That's not what saves me. Mm-hmm. What saves me is faith in Christ. And I pray that that washes over us because when as someone who has homosexual desires, I act out on them and I battle them and fail and fall, I don't jeopardize my salvation because mm-hmm. I'm not saving myself. Mm-hmm. When I when I battle my, my uh, appetite for alcohol and drunkenness and I fall into it and I give in and I have a bad day, I don't jeopardize my salvation because I, I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not my sobriety that's saving me. Is this yeah. helpful? Yes. All right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, an incredibly encouraging. <laughs> so bear with me here. So my behavior doesn't save me it does, however, demonstrate that God is saving me. We've got to get the horse in front of the cart. It's the grace that's drawing me. It's the love of God that's bringing me to repentance. It's the grace of God at work in me that causes me to resist desires I was born with in some cases. Mm-hmm. Desires to self-soothe in some of the most ungodly ways. So whether that's alcohol or greed or whatever it is. So the saving work of God teaches me to say no to ungodliness. It, It teaches me to fight against it. When, that's why churches and particularly pastors who are green green lighting ungodly behavior are in terrible pastors and preachers who are saying what scripture clearly says is wrong when they say it's right they're really putting the flock in jeopardy that's not fair to the flock you're you're green lighting ungodliness and you're giving permission to sin among the flock that's why the judgment against teachers is so Weighty. Not everyone should become teachers. Right. The New mm-hmm. Testament's really clear there. Be careful that you're, if you're going to teach. So if you're battling a sin and you fall into it, or, or even if you're wrestling with, because you're in a church culture, and you, it's easy to find churches in DuPage County that say it's okay to be homosexual. And it's okay, they say. That's a lot for... To act on. Well, it's just a lot... When you have internal desires that are being affirmed by one church and condemned by the next, that's a lot to sort through, folks. There isn't a church around that's saying it's okay to steal or it's okay to lie, it's okay to cheat. We're all pretty much on the same page morally there. God would not have us do those things, but we're in a very difficult time where, and Simone said our young people, and it's true, it's not just our young people, adults are wrestling with this as well, LGBTQ issues, but our young people are on the front lines of culture and they see clearly the tension within the church, those who are claiming Christ. One, one church is saying it's okay. Then Here in Glen Ellen, Half the churches are saying it's okay. Half the churches are saying it's not. I don't know what others... This is a difficult spot for, for the flock, the people of God, globally speaking. So I want to say, if you're, if you're wrestling with it, you don't know how, what to do with it, man, turn to the Lord. There's lots of hope. God's good. There's grace. He's going to grow you. Um, you're safe with the Lord. Just look at 
all the care God gave to those entangled with sin, Jesus gave to those entangled with sin. It was the self-righteous, arrogant folks that he was harshest with. It was those entrapped and wrestling with their sin that he was most gentle with and, and caring for and brought them along. And so <clears throat> the danger is when we say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I don't care what the Lord yeah. says. On any topic. On, On any, any topic. topic. See, that's what I was going to say. Like, it makes it easier for me when I, because this is such a hot topic. But like what you just said, across the board, all churches pretty much agree lying is not, right. is not a good, right? So what if you're a liar? What if you are a habitual liar and you spend- You're going to be uncomfortable in every church, right? <laughs> and, and, but, but can you be saved and be a liar? You can be saved in struggling with lying. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. What if you spend your entire life lying and unrepentant? Can you be saved? I would still say you can be saved, uh, but, but like the, if I'm reading I, your story, it sounds really sketchy. It's, I have a lot of doubt. Well, let's, I don't let's, know. Let's tread light. Right. I don't know who, who's going to be saved. And in fact, Matthew 25 is really clear. We're going to be surprised about who's in heaven and who's right. not. Right. So we need, to, we need to tread really lightly there. But repentance, and I know you're not undermining repentance. So no. repentance is the call of all of us. We're to turn from our sin and forsake it. Right. What I, <clears throat> well, here's the verse that, that I was going to bring up. Because it, it, um, it, it sounds harsh. Uh, reading the verse, but then the very last line of it, it's First Corinthians five. The very last line of it is like, "Whoa, it's for salvation's sake." So Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. Somebody is entangled in in sexual immorality, and it's of the kind that he says pagans don't even tolerate. It's that bad, right? So the church is so Paul is instructing the church on how to handle this brother, and says you need to hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh. Yeah. And it's like, whoa. So this is an unrepentant sinner involved in a sin that not even pagans in, are, uh, interact with. And it's a person who claims faith And it's a person Jesus. who is in the church. Right. You're handing this person over, but listen to the last line. So that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. Yeah, so now, Matt, and this is a disciplinary passage. So right, he's right. telling the church how to act in a disciplinary fashion with its own. Right. But it's but but it's it's amazing with you you know even discipline has in view redemption yes yes right and yeah. it, and it, it this is one of those verses that it go, where my mind goes wow like yes God nobody is out of reach mm -hmm. like of course I'm not undermining repentance repentance has to be in there right. we know that yeah. but you know I just there's so much we don't know about how God works and about someone's heart heart and right. their time with God. And like, there's just it's, so much we don't know. And I don't, and we need to be really clear. I don't even know my own heart. Sometimes I think I'm acting righteous only to learn a couple days later. Oh my gosh, I was full of self-interest oh. in that moment. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like I'm full of self-interest and the Lord says, no, I'm at work in your heart. Here's some areas where, you know, you had genuine empathy or compassion, or you were displaying the, the character of Christ. So it's very hard to judge someone's heart, which is not to say we're not to, it's impossible to know my own heart, but we're just, we're to, we're to fix our eyes on Christ, not on each other's behavior. We're to hold up scripture. Yeah. That's good. What a good question. I, and Simone, <laughs> uh, you had talked about how are we doing as a church? Mm. And, and I just want to take the opportunity to say, I lead a group. We meet tonight. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a group for parents who have LGBTQ kids. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and we meet regularly, try to encourage each other. One of the groups that's most tortured by this type of question are the parents yeah. of children struggling. Sure. Because there's, it, it just feels terribly weighty. Um, the in, we all know how strong the appetite for intimacy is sexually. Imagine if you have an appetite for intimacy sexually that's contrary uh, to uh, biblical design. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a lot to bear. That's a heavy burden. I'm yep. so glad you lead that group, Kelly. All right, let's go to the next one. Uh, and this is for Alex. On yeah. Sunday at Poplar, Alex talked about Hebrews 2, 6 to 8 and how God created mankind to rule. <laughs> I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this concept. What does ruling look like if I'm someone who doesn't have a leadership position in my job and home? It's a great question. As, as Kelly mentioned, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we were two very different directions, but that's 
that's the joy of Hebrews is that there are, um, there are so many different um, l- lessons to be learned and all sorts of just great stuff packed into Hebrews. So in Hebrews 2, uh, the author, who we don't know, we already established that, uh, quotes Psalm 8. And I'll just go ahead and read the part of Psalm 8 that they quote. Uh, You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the sea. So um, what what Psalm 8 is talking about here is that when God uh, created humans, he created them with power and authority. And so we, we talked about how what ruling looks like is basically being image bearers, reflecting God. And we talked a lot about uh, leadership um, in the illustrations. And I probably could have gotten into this question a little bit more and answered it from the pulpit. But if you feel like you don't have a leadership position, um, there are still other ways that you can be an image bearer. There are other ways that you can uh, reflect God. You know, you can reflect God in, in how you spend uh, your money. You can reflect God in how you spend your time. Matt, you were talking earlier about, uh, you know, staying up till midnight and, and binging TV shows. You know, the way, that we, uh, the way that we spend our time, the way that we spend our money, our relationships, um, those are all opportunities. Every sphere of our life are opportunities to reflect and be image bearers. And when we do that, uh, we are ruling as, as I believe Hebrews in Psalm 8 is talking about. Good. Um, okay, let's go to the next one. Um, my children saw and loved the giant grapevine <laughs> in the art gallery. They quickly asked what, um, what the leaves were for and the, and the people's names and wanted to know if they could learn their spiritual gifts and hang up a leaf too. Any direction on this? Thanks. Yeah, I, anytime a kid shows interest, my general rule of thumb, I mean, I don't know about you guys, is I, I never want to discourage a kid. I mean, so if a kid has interest in baptism, let's, let's make it happen. Uh, you know, and parents are wise. They can, some kids just want to play in the water and be in front of everybody with <laughs> the goal of baptism. But communion is the same. I mean, if a kid has interest, they're sitting beside you in the pew and or the, the row and they want to participate in communion. Why not? What a great opportunity to minister yep. the gospel. These are the elements. They're pretty straightforward. They're fairly simplistic to understand. I can remember being four years old and understanding what communion was. Mm-hmm. So, and then at, at five years old, got baptized. And so, um, I would say if they have interest in knowing their spiritual gifts, just get the list, break it down, talk them through it, and put a put a leaf up on the, mm-hmm. the grapevine. That'd be awesome. Generally speaking, I, I take Jesus's... Um, words where he says, let the little children come to me. Do not prohibit them. So he's just welcoming kids. So, yeah. yeah. And the warning against, uh, discouraging children. Yeah. Yeah. That's What is it? Uh, it'd be better. A millstone hung around your neck and drown at the bottom of the sea. I I didn't bring the kids on in, man. (laughs) I don't want any part of that. So the church that I grew up in, you could only uh, partake in communion if you were baptized. And I was in a Sunday school where, I was a little bit slower to make that decision, but all my other classmates had, and they hyped it up so much. They're like, this is the best bread you've ever had. Oh my gosh. This is the, <laughs> it's the worst and, and bread. So, <laughs> I choke on it every yeah, time we take it. I was so disappointed. I was like, oh, this is, ugh. That is classic. What <laughs> denomination is that? Oh, we Restoration Movement Christian Church. Wow. All right. We took our kids to visit uh, a Lutheran church on a Sunday I had off. They were young. They were incensed by the notion that when communion was served, they couldn't they go couldn't participate. It. it was closed communion, which, mm. you know, yeah. churches do that. So, yeah. Hey, so before we go to this last question, um, if anyone's wondering about this gallery thing, I just want to plug it real quick. So it is for spiritual gifts. It is, it's on the art gallery. So it's like a big tree with vines and all that. But the point of it is to interact with it, to find out your spiritual gift. There's a test you can take. You can get all the materials there. And then you find out your spiritual gift. It takes about 20 minutes. And then come back, fill out a little leaf and put it up on the branch, on a branch, so that one, you can sit back and behold our church and names and giftings and kind of start to see how we could all work and That's cool. as a church, uh, but then two, based on your gifting, um, there's also a list of places that you can serve in the church most effectively based on your gifting. Mm. So awesome. Yeah, that's it. All right, let's go to the last one. 
My mom died five years ago this November. Recently, I've been on a trek to find out uh, to find out more about what she's up to in heaven. What do we know about what people in heaven are doing and whether or not they could see what we are doing here on earth? I think the hard answer is we don't know a lot about what they're doing moment to moment or what they can see of us. We just don't know. Um, so I, I like to say, just kind of state the obvious, um, Heaven is a real place, so they're in a place. They're with the Lord if they have faith in Christ, so they're in the presence of God in a real place. They're physically present mm-hmm. uh, with Him. Um, they're together with those others who have who have passed away and gone to be with Christ. So they're it's it's a community experience together with others in the presence of God. They're awake. They're aware, and we know that they are perfected. Yep. So that means they're not like we are here. Well, so there's a lot of debate about the, they're not like who we are here. Right. Correct. But there's a lot of debate about the intermediate state. That is before, sure. um, before the resurrection of bodies. Yes. So, and, that, yeah. and that's what I was going to talk How about. How complete it is. Right. Yes. The right. Bible has a lot more to say about the new heavens, new earth, the restoration of, of this place. And that's, and that's where I take a lot of comfort is that, the the Bible teaches that there's is going to be a day when uh, this place will be restored. We'll have resurrected bodies, things like pain, suffering, all that will be gone. And I, this is maybe a little bit of a, um, I don't know. I so we will know each other. Yeah, I I think there's examples of that in Scripture. I know that some people disagree on that, but I that's something that I feel. You know we'll be able to know each other in this new heavens and new earth and it's going to be perfect. Yeah, absolutely. So th- this person I think is asking about um, what are they like up right now? to? What are they yeah, up to yeah. now? And the one thing that I find a lot of encouragement is, is the notion that there's an opportunity to bear responsibility. So there, it seems to indicate in scripture that in the next life that um, faithfulness here is rewarded. And then there's opportunities to continue in faithfulness in in the afterlife when we're present with God. So um, lots of us have kind of a false understanding of we're just floating uh, and there's not much to do or, you know, it's just a bunch of singing or, but there's... Everyone's angels. Everybody's angels, right. Week, yeah. So uh, I like to describe heaven as a, as a real place, a physical place in the presence of God with those who also are... Uh, trusting in Christ and you're bearing responsibility and you're active in bringing glory to God. So, yeah. and you know, on the question of our, can they see us? Or I, I wrote down Hebrews 12, one. So Hebrews 12, one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. And so I, I take that to, to possibly mean that, um, that yeah, folks in heaven can see you, um, but I think they have, I think they're different than we are now. I think they have more knowledge. I think they have, they're more perfected than we are here. And so the, the, the feeling I get from that, the sense I get from that is like, um, almost like you're running a marathon. They're mm-hmm. cheering you on like, mm-hmm. man, th- it's good. It's good. Keep running strong. Stay away from sin, like that kind of thing. What I can tell you, it's definitely not. It's not like Ghost and Patrick Swayze or <laughs> movies. It's not like they are next to you and their heart is breaking over every har- right. hardship. And they, it's not that. There's it's not great, that, and they're not angels. There's a great book I'd recommend. The author's name is Randy Alcorn, A-L-C-O-R-N, Randy Alcorn. title of the book is Heaven. There's also a kid's edition that um, many parents use to read to their children when a, a, a loved one dies, like a grandma, grandpa, mm-hmm. you know, where are they? And it, it, uh, frankly, the kid's edition is, is really good. The, the, um, if you just want a quick read, an overview. So, but Randy Alcorn titled Heaven. Yeah. Oh, the other, I can't remember what verse it is, but it, um, that the uh, angels rejoice when, when somebody mm. receives Christ, right. right? So, like, there has to be an awareness 
that that is beyond God, not just God is is knowing all things and seeing everything, but other of the heavenly hosts are seeing mm-hmm. what's going on here. Yeah. So we we know that there's some of that going on. Mm-hmm. Just to try to give you some insight into can she see me? Does she know what I'm doing? Like, yeah, I think it's possible. All right. Um, that's all the questions we have for you today. If you have any further questions, comments, concerns, don't hesitate. Text the next level podcast, 630-474-6161. Our podcast is dedicated to answering listener questions on two levels, answering specific questions about last Sunday's sermon, and also general questions regarding broader topics within the Christian faith. We love God and believe that scripture is a primary means for our getting to know him. And our hope is that this podcast extends the learning opportunity for all who want to know God better, strengthening not only your faith, but my faith and our faith together. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the next level. Boom! Prophecy.